Good morning. Welcome to Embracing Change, Talking Through Trauma. And today my guest is Charlotte Marsh. And Charlotte is from the Midlands in England. And Charlotte is uh, first and foremost a parent, a Pilates instructor, an author, and a breathing coach. And she most recently has written a book entitled Susie Sloth. And we are here today to talk about Susie Sloth and her superpowers and Pilates and breath work. Welcome, Charlotte. Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure to have you. Hi, Tammy. Thank you so much for having me. We've been waiting for this catch up for a long time. We, we? we have. I, I and before we came on the podcast, Charlotte and I were actually talking about how long we've been corresponding back and forth, and we figured it's probably been at least three years that we've been corresponding back and forth because originally she had a program called Petite Pilates, and so. But I'm really curious as to how did Susie Sloth um, come about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's been quite a journey. Um, it's taken longer than it probably should have done. But, um, well, the best things in life are worth waiting for, are they? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> but, um, I mean, the story goes back a long time, actually. Uh, initially, when I first did my kids and teens qualification and um when we were told, you know, to sort of think about inspiration for lesson planning, um, we were referred to some yoga storybooks and this kind of thing. But um, obviously it stuck in my head from all the way back then that there wasn't a lovely Pilates storybook to inspire children to do Pilates. Um, and then when COVID hit and schools were all shut, um, I decided to do some um, little free lessons on Facebook Live um, and I called them Petit Pilates and um, we just, uh, it was me, one of my daughters actually, we just had a little play each week. I made um, not exactly a story, but it was all around a theme. So one of them was about um, a little sloth and different animals. Um, and after we finished that and, you know, schools were shut again, I thought, well, the two just little sparks, you know, I, I got that little, um, the bee in my bonnet, and I thought, well, you know, I wrote a whole series of stories for those little Facebook Live lessons. Um, maybe I should do something about them. So I started with just, you know, writing some notes from that, and then it um, it sort of developed from there. It's wonderful. And now to look at all of your, <coughs> pardon me, all of your, your background in the yeah, the Sloth <laughs> and I'll tell you this is only about like half of it <laughs> so um my dining room downstairs is no longer a dining room uh this is a spare bedroom behind me is chaos in front of me is chaos but yeah there's sloth everything um I have a little um prize drawer at the minute running where I've got little sloth prizes going out each week so that's very sweet um so how did Susie, how did a sloth come about? I mean, like, did you um, like, do you like sloths or do your children well, like sloths? It, it really did start with the fact that sloths can control their breathing. So for me at the time, I was teaching Pilates, but I was very keenly interested in the breathwork side because that's really where my introduction to Pilates had been for my own personal benefit. Then I studied, then I started teaching. But then it was really this kind of persistent um, itch that I just had to scratch really about not fully understanding 
breathing cues between different styles of teaching within Pilates. Um, and so breathing had been my deep dive, if you like, um, my passion in terms of my own research and study to the point where I put together a, an online course for other movement teachers, the Benefits of Better Breathing course. And then um, when I was designing these kids' lessons, um, I don't know how I first heard about it, but um, we were doing little animals. And then um, I discovered that sloths don't need to breathe when they're swimming and they can hold their breath for up to, I mean, I'm giving a bit of a spoiler here for the book. All right, you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but up to 40 minutes which is really incredible. Um, and, wow. you know, you, you see them lolling about in trees and hardly moving, but they can swim quite fast and they control their breathing to that extent. And I thought, well, that's got to come in handy, surely, because these lessons that I was teaching for children, they were quite short, they were only half an hour. So they were a bit of Pilates. And then I was each week trying to introduce one kind of breathing practice at the end to try to combine my two areas of um, interest. Um, so we finished with the little sloth and we were trying to do a breathing practice like her. So that's how she came to be sort of the main character, really, of, of this story. Yeah. Wow. And so over the course of time, how long did it actually take? Like from like, because you showed me those that pile of papers, like, yeah, when so you started pilot. thinking about it. So how long did it actually take you to um, write? I mean, the story itself didn't take that long. You know, there was a little list of what moves we could do. And uh, should I show this on camera? Just it? It, sure, you can pick it up and show. I mean, it was to me, that's always like, when you see like the, that's from that to this. That's right. So that's yeah. kind of written notes. Yeah. I had to lay it out in such a way that, um, you know, a manuscript so somebody could oh, yeah. work with that. Um, then it, I thought, well, I need to check, you know, how is it going to actually go in a two page spread? Um, so laying it out in words like that. And then, of course, another part of the process is that you have a developmental editor quite early on. So to just kind of scope over the whole idea. And at the beginning of this story, we start off with a little boy in Costa Rica and he's on a holiday and that's how he meets the sloth. But then he takes the sloth back to Africa. So they get down small and sneak into his suitcase and then we flew around the room to get you know kids oh yeah. so that's how it started and we had um we had little characters so we had children in the book to begin oh with. my gosh and <laughs> so it was yeah there was that was Florence and we had um little Finley was the boy um and I spoke to actually a, a dance school teacher who's um, a Pilates instructor Cooper Rust out in Kenya because all of the other animals apart from the sloth we're all based in Kenya. So I wanted oh to make sure, yeah, I wanted to make sure that the character looked like she could be a little girl in Kenya and you know everything tied in. But then one of the developmental editors said, okay, we're here, we're there, you know, there aren't that many character voices. So I'm not sure the children are really that necessary. Try again and just scrap the kids, just have it be just the animal. Um, so then that had a few changes. It was like really two and fourth. Um, then a new version. And then I had another editor who, you know, picked apart other bits because um, I wanted I wanted to make sure that I was doing this properly. Um, yeah. I wasn't sure I'd get a publishing deal. So I decided to self-publish, but I wanted it to be very high quality as if it had gone through the same editorial checks, the same proofreading checks, you know, the same same 
same amount of sort of quality control. Um, and then I kind of had to start playing around with illustrations and things like that and choose an illustrator. Um, so we got to the stage of having a bit of a, a pamphlet with some pictures and a little, uh, a little sloth and then another pamphlet <laughs> with a few more pictures. And then, um, and then it was really a case of having to try and tie in all of the different information because um, it wasn't just a storybook, it was an activity book. So I yeah. wanted to have an explanation of each of the moves that could be done on the page. And that took us quite a long time to find a way that we could cram in a story, a lovely illustration to inspire kids, but a way of explaining with a diagram and also with words. And that's how we came up with the little circles idea to fit everything yeah. on the page. Um, but, but the other piece that I really liked that you were very cognizant about, and for my listeners, um, I'm just gonna share, I have a background in early childhood education for over 35 years and actually taught college courses in early childhood. So I, I was coming at it from both Pilates and an early childhood education background because the, the book is beautifully illustrated and it meets, um, like it meets many, many different developmental areas. And it can also be very diverse for children, even with um, disabilities. So, cause I mean, the pictures are beautifully done, Charlotte. Yeah, the illustrator I found, Charlotte, her name as well. Um, oh. She really did really a fantastic job. I love the little character face that she came up with. I just fell in love with her. Yeah. She's um, <laughs> so sweet. Um, but I think that, you know, to get children interested in an activity book, it's got to be really appealing from the very yeah. beginning, isn't it? So the idea of shall we go on an adventure, you know, shall we? Yes, we. you know, you're yeah. trying elicit a positive response of course on each page I did a um a, I joined a, a mentoring group for writing children's books and um one of the things which I I hadn't realized it was called this specifically uh, but on each page it finishes with the same phrase who could it be and yep. children like a repetitive phrase in kids books. yes so, yeah and team. the other thing the other thing I think you call it uh hold on I think you call it do you call her ladybird ladybirds in uh, Lady call it a ladybird. Yes. okay yes yeah. so yeah. In, in, yes but what i liked about it because i read this book with my grandson <coughs> excuse me and he's four and when i we when he found it it was like it was repetitive <coughs> excuse me yeah so i mean Little kids, they love finding something on a page. That was inspired by um, our children really enjoyed um, some books called Fifi Forget-Me-Not. I don't know if you even know them in America, but it was a it was a cute program over here. Um, and at the beginning and at the end of the book, a bit like in this one, you've got the whole landscape and you have to spot all the little creatures in it. Um, so they really enjoyed finding that. But I think it also helps if you're reading a book and you've perhaps got more than one child, sometimes you still need something to kind of keep the interest of an older child and they might like to do that part or they might like to guess the animal or the little questions at the end. Can they remember the interesting facts about the animals? You know, things like that. Well, um, and, then, and then at the end of the book, um, like in the, in the end of the book, it talks about like all of the animals and what, and you ask it. So it was a recall, which I felt was a really 
Like we yeah. did this and I did it with him and he was able to recall all of them. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but it, but it's like, like just even giving like the, like the, like breathing underwater um, and talking about the animals. And I think it's really, <coughs> excuse me. No problem. Um, Kids love animals, don't they? They always have. Um, and they always have. I think um, anytime you can use an animal to, you know, make a child interested in something, you're, you're onto a winner, really. Um, and then when she kind of shares her, her superpower being controlling her breath, and then she goes on to um, actually introduce these five breathing exercises to the kids. Um, and I, I obviously that took quite a lot of um thought as to which breathing exercises to introduce to children and these five that I've chosen for key moments really in a child's day um they're actually breathing practices which I teach in um workplace wellness sessions and in one-to-ones um to adults but the way I've you know entitled them in the book it means that um they're, they're kind of linked back into the story and the animals within the story but um the smiling breath, you know, it's a cadence pattern. So it's the same in breath as same out breath. Um, it includes a sort of um, a gratitude practice. So it's a lovely one to do in the morning because you also stretch everything that's around yeah. your breathing system. Um, the taking control is actually from um, a physiological sigh. So it's that's been made famous recently by Dr. Huberman and the neuroscience <laughs> world. Um, and that's like one of the fastest ways to interrupt um, a kind of a, a mood or an argument or it's like a reset button. So that's that's what that one helps with. And then you've got focusing breath, which really is just um, centered on a, a box breathing practice. Yes. <clears throat> helps focus. The holding your breath one is um, that's really from my most recent line of work around Buteco breathing. So you're actually looking at changing the biochem blood chemistry there. So you're looking at the balance between oxygen and carbon dioxide. Really helpful one if it's the start of like anxious feelings or to interrupt the very beginning of a, a panic attack. And then the relaxing breath is one, simply put, just extending your exhale. So that's really the fastest way to send that signal of safety back, yeah. which as you know, with your trauma work um, is really, uh, important um, yeah. way of actually you know influencing your nervous state and that one does work because I do that every night before I go to sleep <laughs> well and I think too like um I was delighted um so you know we're what I think we're five hours apart yeah and when I woke up this morning I woke up in the middle of the night to let the dog out and I just happened to check my email and there is an article that you wrote for Brett Miller on Susie oh, Swan. Yeah. And it was very, the article was very nicely done in Pilates Intel. And, um, but there was just, there's so much stuff. Like when I look at this book and I, because of my own background with trauma in the nervous system, and I'm going to speak more to the nervous system part of it. Like the breathing is so critical because we, in the nervous system and regulation and things like that. And we talked before that, you know, people parents specifically um you know there's so much talk about co-regulation um with little ones and we and a lot of times people don't even realize they're doing it but you know we you know as as as, as educators like you and I both are um 
understanding the nervous system and how it has an impact on the brain and how it impacts our whole body. And I mean, all of this stuff. And I just find that the, the, like your story and even like the article that you wrote was delightfully, it was just well-written. And I just, it's, I, I applaud, applaud you for the, the writing and the article. So, and even in your book, I mean, it's been a process. So you are a self-editor then, is that what I'm hearing you say? I've self-published this book, yeah. Um, so it's available, you know, in the standard all good retailers, um, but it means that um, I had the full control over what the content was going to be. I chose the illustrator. And really it means that you, you design the whole process. So in some ways that's good because um, you steer the ship, you know, and you can yeah. choose what goes into it. Um, on the other hand, I did not have a clue, <laughs> I'll be honest, just how much would need to go into it in terms of, um, yeah, like the editorial process, the proofreading process. And then um, not only the, you know, crafting the story and then the illustrations and matching any, everything up, but then even to the point of loading it all in the right formats onto the correct systems and getting one system to talk to another. And um, that they were very nerve wracking days, but touch wood, I think everything connected where it needed to, and it, it is for sale worldwide. So I did something right, I think. <laughs> I think that it's just, you know, like anything, and I think we talked about this before we came on the air. It's like, like anything when you are, when you, I like your term, when you have a bee in your bonnet and you consistently show up and you're doing the same thing over and Mm. over and over again, that people begin to recognize, oh, Charlotte, she wrote the book and she's Pilates for Pilates and children and breath work. I mean, it's just, it's just. It's just, uh, um, I think when I started learning more about breathing um, and I I had my own issues around um, some, you know, body compensations and some pain and, you know, two or three breathing drills with movement have helped me so much. And then one of my daughters had a really strange breathing pattern for a time where it's like a paradoxical breathing pattern her tummy went in as she was breathing in like the complete opposite to what you would expect to see um and I felt very lucky that I knew a little bit enough to identify that that was there was something up there so we helped with that um but I also think that with with the work that I have done for a number of years in schools um you know, when I when I first was involved in our local school, you didn't really hear that much about mental health issues and particularly around anxiety. And, you know, the statistics over here are quite alarming in terms of how many children are now suffering with anxiety. Um, oh. It's really so upsetting, isn't it? But what I don't understand is here we have, you know, we have a waiting list that's over two years to get a child help for their mental health. And yet... Nobody is helping looking at their breathing because no. breathing too fast is one of the surest ways to actually cause an anxiety feeling. And also explaining to children, you know, when you feel nervous and you feel a bit anxious and you've got butterflies in your tummy, 
isn't that a similar feeling to when you feel really excited the night before your birthday or, you know, before you see what Father Christmas left under the tree or, you know, talk about these feelings and talk about what's actually physiologically happening in the body. Um, because children are able to learn, you know, this isn't some like crazy neuroscience concept that is at the preserve of um, psychotherapists or, you know, very highly qualified senior child experts. Um, and let me tell you, I've, I've spoken with some psychotherapists who teach, who give a couple of breathing practices, but they've been very open and honest with me and said, you know, it, it was a four, seven, eight. I don't really know why we give a four, seven, eight. And I said, well, for some people, if you're used to breathing very fast and quite shallow, you know, that's a hard starting point. And certainly yeah. in the world, their breathing rates are faster than ours. That's yeah. probably, you're asking too much of them. That's that's not going to be helpful. So, you know, we, we can talk about this in very basic terms. Breathing, all we can do really is how fast we breathe and how big a breath we're taking in. So it doesn't need to be overly complicated. And I hope that what I've done in the book is take some very practical, useful exercises and break them down, present them really simply. And it's not just kids who can benefit from these, I'll no. tell you. It's no. <clears throat> I think too, it's, I, I love the fact that you're tying it back to mental health because both in the United States and in England, there's a, it's not just our two countries. There is a worldwide epidemic of mental sure. health. And when you see it affecting, you know, people of all, you know, children of all, children as well as adults, and it affects yeah. our breathing, but it also affects our nervous system. And it's just, it's, it's so, we can't separate it. You can't no. separate, you can't separate it. But then to see, but then to also see like how many children are growing up and are having disease and that creates disease in our in our bodies. And it's just, so what you're doing, I, I, I just, I, I'm so excited for your book. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's something, well, it's just, it's needed. And I, I mean, I see, I have lots of children's yoga books because I've taught children's yoga for years and none mm. of them have ever illustrated breath like you have in any of the books that I have. And I have a lot of them. Mm. So. Oh, that's, that's nice to hear that it's something a bit unique. I, I do hope it will make a difference because I think now, you know, it's, it's quite well documented that in order to help with mental health, movement and nature are actually the most effective tools that we have. Um, and, you know, the way that you breathe whilst you're moving, whilst you're out in nature, that can make a huge difference too. Yeah. 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 And, and I think too, um, more I, I I don't know what it's like in England but I, I there, but there still is a lot of voids um around like the mental health and you know they're quick to say you know take a pill but yet in reality is if we can get people to do breathing and do movement you know there's a lot of ways I mean I'm not seeing that some people don't need medication that I don't want to indicate that but I still think that there are tools that we can utilize with but it's but it's looking at it and it's not just 
like school systems, like they need to be doing introducing Susie Swat and school systems. And yeah, well, that's my mission now. I'm trying to take a workshop, which I've spent many months developing um, to go along with this book. Um, <laughs> and that last page, the neat secret code that she yes. teaches. Um, so it starts with that and it's, you know, full of, um, I mean, this, you know, full of props like this. Yes, and yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. It's very active. Uh, we, I don't even use the screen. I just get children throwing things. We have a huge parachute, which we throw up in the air yeah. and make people sit underneath. Um, because, yeah, I mean, you're preaching to the converted. I'm, I totally agree with you. Um, I think why why wouldn't we teach this to children earlier before they run into problems so originally i wrote a program at the beginning of covid and i used it was a book for children and their parents uh-huh. not a book and not a book it was a program and it was called mindful movement is what it was called mm. i still ha- i still have it and the focus of it was on using literature to create the movement pieces of it with children and their families. And Chantel Lopez, I was working with her and Chantel said, you need to get the, you got to get the parents to buy into it. The teachers have got to buy into it. And so that's how, for me, that's how trauma informed movement came about. And um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, so it's, it's really interesting. And so even like looking at like, how parents breathe or how parents coping mechanisms and all of those kind of things they all entertain everything intertwines with it and I I know a few parents have learned a a couple of you know tricks or two from reading this with their kids Um, and kids you know I think when you first become a parent you do learn so much from your children don't you Um, but the funny thing is that actually if you if you do this book if you do the activities within it you do actually get quite a workout I was um I took the book to um two libraries every day last week because it was school holidays here um and so doing um you know we're doing all the exercises as we were reading the story and I can tell you um last week (laughs) I actually I could tell how much I'd moved I mean okay I was trying to keep up with three and four year olds and five year olds but um you do actually get a bit of a workout and also a bit of a giggle with the children, you know, yes. if you're and you're not used to playing. It's a really good way of having a connected play session with your child. Yes. And yes. also just, it's quite bonding because, you know, you're moving together, you crush into each other, you giggle a bit. It's something that's just nice to do as well. Yeah. Um, I actually read the book um, with my grandsons. So I have uh, four and a half and the he, my youngest one, he just turned one and it was oh. really, so we sat on the floor and we engaged that way is what we did with okay. them. Yeah. And it, it's really like even the baby, you know, my, like, I don't even like going into like, I don't want an elephant, like going, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Standing, yeah elephant pose and things That's like that. It. So it was really, or even like the, you know, scorpion and, uh, you know, just it, it, some of the poses like that, but the baby attempted he's not oh. he's, he's walking he's he's not just a baby anymore he's yeah. a toddler yeah um, so he tried and you know he would come in and he would go out but but my That's point is, is that yeah but it's even what i tried to do was you know there's about i think 13 of the like um original contrology moves in the book but then there's also lots of um 
you know, if we were officially lesson planning, we'd probably call them transitional moves, wouldn't we? But they're just fun moves that, you know, get us from one page to the next page, involve the animal on that same page. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, and also really get children having fun. So the elephant, we, we scoop up the water in the bottom of the trunk and then we have a water fight with each other and kids love it. No, yeah. I, not one child has failed to giggle and, you know, really go for it with that with that play fight but, um, but i i'm just going to say from a grandparent standpoint that i would really encourage grandparents to to take a look at the book as well because it encourages it encourages them to be active with their grandchildren yeah and it's an yeah but yeah sometimes you need ideas for how to play as well don't you because it's always <laughs> easy to um either well, leave to it or um well and I think with today's technology and so many parents are so often you know giving them the kids their phone or their iPads or other things or parking them in front of the TV and it's just it's good like to sit down and have that time to read and revisit reading <laughs> reading is just so critically important for language development and all kinds of things and introducing the children to different kinds of animals, you know, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, I think like a sloth, you know, that was, and, and to talk about the length of time that, you know, Susie, yeah. Susie can hold her breath underwater. I mean, it was, it can allude into a lot of other conversations around um, the animals that are in the book and how far away, like That's the it. animals. Yeah, where do they live in the world? All of those kind of yeah. things. Yeah. The other thing is, um, I was talking to a, a, a grandmother um, after one of the library sessions last week, and she said, he's not really, I can tell he's not that strong. He can't do the roll-up. He can't do this. He can't do that compared to some of the other kids. Um, so obviously, yeah, well, let's practice more. We can do more. But also what we were then talking about is how, and I don't think a lot of parents are aware of this, but how by helping a child move their whole body and develop their core strength, it actually directly translates to how well they can sit up at a table, how well they can do fine motor skills with pencil. It directly <clears throat> relates to their speech and language ability. You know, we tend to think of, well, it's okay, they don't need to be that strong a, a body type. Um, you know, they're, they're doing well in this or they're, they're doing well in that. But those things actually directly correlate to one another. So if you want your child to be able to express their words more easily and, you know, have more control over their tongue and their jaw and all the muscles here, then actually moving their whole body with something like this book or any other way, um, you know, that's what's going to help them get the finer control over other muscle groups too. So, yeah, that, that side of it really fascinates me. So I'm going to speak from the educator point right here. The, everything that you said is spot on in regards to development. So if they've got a delay with fine motor, they're going to have a speech delay as well. <laughs> so, so giving them big movements and then refining it down to the smaller ones is so, so, so critical. Yeah. So yeah. great job, Charlotte. Oh, <laughs> well said. No, well said. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Um, I but nobody teaches you that when you first become a parent. I yeah. don't 
Well, like, well, it's like it, like well, like when you think about refined movements. When a baby develops, they develop from the the core or the inner, and the yeah. last things that are going to develop are going to be those little small muscles in your fingers, yeah. and just something as simple as putting their hands, like spreading their fingers and putting their hands against the like the floor or the carpet, or yes. is strengthening their hands. Let alone picking up and learning how to hold a pencil yeah. and oftentimes you can't go. You, I mean, kids are not going to move through developmental patterns linear. They're going to move in all different directions, but it's, I always like to say like, you know, for babies learning how to sit, you know, there's so many skills that go into play with that. Like just even pushing themselves up and like doing yeah. Yeah, what uh, what what animal do you have in here that you were doing? Crocodile when they do yes, that. yes, yes. Like that's yeah. that's the very first. Like when you think about it in child development years, yeah, like up. That's one of the very first things. And holding their head and turning their head side to yeah. side. It's um, yeah. It's there's a, there's a lot with it, but yeah. I I think that so you also wrote an article for Brett Miller's. Pilates and Tau, and yeah. it's published. So today is November eighth. Um, yeah. This will our, this publish will be coming out probably in a couple of weeks, um, but it'll be a nice dovetail for what you've written with him. And I love the fact that like that you intertwined so much and you connected it back to Pilates, but also you know the nervous system and how we can't separate anything. And I, I just feel that it's so important. And I just want to say, I felt your article was very well written as well. So that's very kind of you, Tammy. <laughs> and I you know, thanks so much for um, helping me to spread the word about this Susie. Oh. <laughs> because um, as a self-published author, it's, it's hard because I don't have a marketing department, obviously behind me. Um, but um, I, I think it's just, you know, on the surface, it's a fun activity book, isn't it? Kids just love to play. That's what they like. Um, but with your background, you can see the principles that are actually running through it. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll be teaching one little set of lungs at a time is what I like to say. Um, but also teaching teaching some parents, too, because... They don't always have these lessons. Well, I didn't have those lessons before I became a parent. Um, so sometimes, you know, via a children's book, you can maybe get to the whole family and um, teach a little bit about how well, best and I think, makes a difference. Yeah, but I, but I think too, it's like, like, you know, like encouraging parents to put their children on the floor and not put them, I'm going to just use the word, containers like bouncy seats and those kind of things. It's mm -hmm. it's like having them on the floor so they can move their body. This just supports everything. That's it's It supports everything that, it, and I've been in like teaching like child development for a very, very long time. And when we, when we stifle them and put them in cars, I mean, we have to ride in car seats because they have to be safe in cars. Yeah. But if you can put them on the floor, as long as they're safe to begin to like push themselves up or just even to learn to jump and mm. run, yeah. I mean, creatively, I mean, and creatively. And I realize that people's homes are, everybody's homes are different. 
but yeah. I think we want our children to be safe. Yeah. First yeah. And foremost. yeah. So well, but, I, I, I used to sit on the floor a lot and I've got out of the habit because I have been screen based working more than normal. Um, but yeah, I, I think we should all have a period of time on the floor because it actually keeps your hips healthy, you know, and yeah, it does. It's a different position. It's yeah. so easy just to flop on a soft sofa, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. And I, and like you, you know, like writing, um, I'm in the reef. I'm in the, in, in phases right now where I'm in the creative writing mode. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but it's important for overall, like even for us to be able to, get up and down off the floor and definitely, you know, there's, you know, and I'm not, it, it, I'm just saying it's just important or even, or even picking up stuff off the floor or holding a baby, whether you're a grandparent or a parent. Yeah. Just, yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of things in here that I just, like I said, it was just um, crossing the midline, like for saw position and what, it, what that does yeah. for brain development for a child, but also what it does to people as we begin to age. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. So the connection about Pilates, you know, it for saying it was created so long ago as a system of movement. Now, now we have a bit more understanding as to some of the benefits of the specific moves. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, Joseph Pilates did say even back then that he wanted more. He wanted everybody to do it, didn't he? Yeah. Anyway, and it starts with breathing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, Charlotte, thank you so much for spending time with me this morning and for you afternoon. It's <laughs> um, been an absolute pleasure, honestly. Yeah, and I I look forward I look forward to us having more conversations because I know that this is going to evolve for you, and I'm just so excited to be a part of having you on embracing change, talking through trauma, and getting the word out. So. Um, Thank you so much for today. So please stay on for just a second when we go off air. Thank you.